This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. This is our season finale. And as I think back on what has now been 80 previous episodes of this podcast, I think this conversation today is indicative of what so many of our episodes have had to be about. We are living through history. And on this podcast, we've had so many experts speak to this unique moment and how to help your kids process it and become, as the title of our podcast would suggest, Resilient Disciples. Today, I am joined by Matt Markins, president of Awana, as well as Chase Baker. Chase is the family pastor of Rolling Hills Community Church. Chase and Matt share valuable perspective on this moment where multiple crises are happening at the same time. Between the public health crisis, the mental health crisis, and the crisis of a faith that seems to be dwindling for so many, how are we called to respond? Chase begins to answer that by sharing how he has seen this idea of pastoring the entire family evolve during his ministry career. Thank you for listening. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast. I think, by and large, kids' ministries have moved to, and, and I think probably I've been a part of um led a ministry like this as long as we can make our ministries fun and exciting and something that they want to come back to then we are winning right but but that can't be the only thing that can't be the thing that says we are winning because we can throw a pizza party every week right and they'll show up and they'll have fun because because they're there um so where where is it where where do we win and i think part of over time we've created these environments to where they are great and they are fun they are exciting but have we equipped parents to lead in their homes to to lead them towards the gospel towards jesus and have we had enough of those gospel conversations every single week in our kids' ministry, we've, you know, over the course of time, we've leaned um, away from that uh, weekly gospel presentation and equipping parents to to really be spiritual leaders of their home. Now, a couple of things happened during COVID that I think were were positive, and I think we're we are starting to see the fruits on our end okay. because we're starting to see more baptisms than than previous each month with our kids ministry and our student ministry. And I'm wondering if we were forced to pour everything. Remember last year we were in quarantine. We were like, how do we get to the homes? How do we be in the homes uh, more uh, weekly uh, up to three times a week? People would engage with us online during quarantine. So I wonder if a lot of that, that work on that end, we're seeing the fruits of, of parents really, investing at home. Well, that's super encouraging. And I think one of the unique moments about, or one of the unique things I should say about this moment is you are seeing fruit from the pandemic at this point. And I think for for a long time, it felt so, because none of us had ever lived through something like that before, it felt so oppressive and and really dismal. And now we're seeing that even in 
broken uh, situations or broken homes or when people are really going through tragedy and multiple crises at the same time, like we we're now seeing how God was at work. And that's, I'm so encouraged to hear that, that that was playing out in the context of your community. I'm curious though, when I, the way that I've seen it for COVID to kind of bring this conversation into this current moment is that it was, like I just said, multiple crises happening at the same time. And there was both the, obviously the public health crisis and having to walk families through a tremendous amount of grief with losing loved ones or losing extended family members. But then there's also this conversation that I think has, that COVID has really shown a light on, which is this conversation around mental health and how Mm -hmm. kids in particular, kids and students are living in a time where it is really, it's a pandemic before we all started getting much more familiar with that word. Can you help people who are listening understand what the sort of mental health implications of COVID looked like in your community? Absolutely. So we live in a primarily affluent uh, community um, in our area in Tennessee. Okay. And, and so um, I don't know what everybody area is. I can only express And I, I think I was sharing this with a group of parents the other, other day. It's been really hard on everybody. Sure. In in this past year, you got, you got adults, parents. It was hard on parents. It was hard on um our senior, uh, senior adults, the elderly, it was especially hard on the next generation. And I don't think people realize that there's not a week that goes by where I don't have a parent come to me and say, my child is struggling mentally, emotionally, socially. Um, they've lost connection. They're, they're trying to, uh, there, there's just something off with them. There's a, um, I have a counselor that I'm really close to that leads a counseling organization. She said, Chase, did you know that, um, not too long ago in one weekend we had 11 middle schoolers admitted to a psychiatric hospital in one day in oh, one day gracious. and now um and not, not too long after that all the hospital beds were full so they were shipping um these middle schoolers and high schoolers to a, a county over because our beds were so full so we look at the the psyche and the mental health of the next generation in our community. Oh, obviously, um, we got a wealthy community. You guys know this is just because you have wealth doesn't mean you're you're okay uh, emotionally yeah. or or mentally. And so it really has played it, uh, taken a, a a major toll on the next generation and um, in, in our community for sure in our, in our mental health. Do, do you feel like the? I I, don't, I apologize if this is. Uh, not delicate, but do you feel like this was a conversation that was sort of due coming for the church? Like how much of this sort of conversation around mental health did the pandemic cause versus how much of it do you feel like it brought to light? I think it accelerated the okay. process. I think what, uh, probably what kids and what really um, people were dealing with before. And I think we, we see, we see this in marriages too. We see this in, um, and just overall mental health is it um, it was an accelerant that that once this thing hit and what once you spend more time alone and with your thoughts and and um and even parents just trying to figure out you know that now now uh, parents were um away working and now they're they're at home um stuck in the same house working together and they have their kids around i just think it had a had this uh, incredible effect on um, the psyche, um, and with our with our with our kids, I think what we are seeing 
most uh, mostly is they're they're just trying to navigate. They're just trying to figure out what it is um, there to do next. And the, the the hard part is I don't think parents really uh, knew what to do in the process of helping sure. their kids helping their kids process every, all the information um, because I think they were just processing it uh, themselves. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but no, I definitely think it does. Cause I think what, one of the things that I've certainly learned in my own sort of parenting journey during this process is that sort of having to just admit that it's, that you don't know. Right. And yeah. having to have that yeah. increase the trust in my own life. And, it's, and with, even with mental health, it's, it was, it's been taboo in the church for such a long time. Like he, you know, even to bring up this idea of counseling and therapy and, and those words, I think people generally historically in the church, we just didn't use those words growing up. We didn't use those. And we, now we have a generation of kids who are, who are more protected than any other generation in history. Uh, sure. They're probably safer than any other generation. Um, they have four seat belts. I don't know. They, that's a lot, but, <laughs> but they, sure. but they're also more connected online. You know, we read book after book about that, and, and they're spending more time on, on their screens. And um, the interesting thing, even uh, Barna's new research that came out, is that 50, um, Gen Z, 51%, their ultimate goal of, of those guys is to be happy. Um, that's, that, that's great, but they also, what causes unhappiness is more screen time. So they're in this vicious cycle of, hey, I want to be happy. Hey, I'm, I got more screen time. I, therefore, I'm unhappy. It's like this, this crazy cycle. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. I think we as a church generally have been tad taboo about it. I think now we're starting, starting to see more conversations. We're starting to see, honestly, for our church, we're starting to see more of the, the counselors within our, in our church um, are – sort of coming into being a go-to for us, you know, they're, they're, they're busier than ever before. I think uh, um, one of the counseling centers that we use, they have 130 um, people on the waiting list just to see a counselor. You know, I feel like every week on the podcast, I'm constantly trying to sort of shout this from the rooftop about how urgent these conversations are, right? I think people, because this community sort of falls into, I got to get Sunday to happen. Got to just, and it becomes very short term to recognize that, no, like the cost of what we do every week are very high. Like the cost mm-hmm. of child discipleship is high. The cost of caring for our community really well are high. Matt, I want to bring you in here because I, I guess I'll start by just asking, like have from your seat for both the churches that are connected to Awana, but just like you were alluding to earlier, your sort of long lens on this world have you felt like you've been seeing the same thing as far as how mental health has played into the context of the pandemic? I was at a conference uh, just last week where Dr. Tim, Tim Elmore spoke and shared that one in four of Generation Z, Gen Z, uh, has, is suffering from clinical anxiety. And I think, mm. I think what we're seeing here, I think what we're seeing is the fruit of a hyper-individualistic society uh, let's let's go back to the garden just just for a moment. Uh, what do we see happening in Genesis chapter three? We see this encounter between Adam and Eve and the serpent, uh, where he's presenting uh, to them, he's twisting God's word, twisting their, God's word to, to try to motive to try to motivate them uh, to to go down the wrong path. And they, they've got two choices: they're either going to choose personal autonomy. 
I'm going to, I'm going to trust in myself or I'm going to trust God, trust God for who he is, trust him, uh, take him at his word. And they chose personal autonomy because of our pride and our desire to put ourselves in at a place where only God belongs. And so now fast forward to 2006, 2007, what happens in that time frame is, you know, mm-hmm. Twitter, Twitter launches, the iPhone is now accessible. And then Facebook, if you have an email, if you have an email address, then you, you have the ability to, uh, you know, to have, an, have a Facebook account. So we now have an interstate system uh, to, to now accentuate and flex and put steroids into this idea of personal autonomy and hyper individualization. And so I think what we're seeing now is the fruit of that, you know, Instagram and perhaps TikTok are more relevant uh, to today's students. I know there's other platforms that are emerging almost on a, on a monthly basis. And so uh, this is resulting in the, we're seeing the death of this worldview. It's not yeah. working. It's not working. And so the church, the church has an incredible opportunity, but it's also a burden in the sense that not every church is going to be equally gifted and resourced and skilled to, to respond to these. And I think this is happening everywhere, as Chase, as Chase has mentioned. So I think, I think the church has got to come together. They've got to circle the wagons, each local church. We've got to look to other churches who are out ahead of us, who are doing well in this area. There are churches who have done a great job of putting resource kits available. So if I was a local pastor, I would start looking for those. Um, and then I think the other opportunity that we have as a local church uh, w- would be to look within our own body. Do we have mental health professionals? Do we have biblical counselors or uh, other types of uh, counselors who are able to help uh, individuals clinically? And then I think the third thing in and it's just enduring and long-term is just keep going back to the gospel. Yeah. We have an opportunity to, to point to the different acts of the gospel. Uh, the second, the second act is the fall. You know, it's, it's our rebellion. It's our brokenness and our sin. Uh, we're seeing the fruit of that. We've got to go back to the beginning. We do have a creator. We do have a loving God. He's good. He's, a, he's our designer. And then going to that third act, Jesus came to redeem us. And that fourth act, uh, he's trying to restore us. And one day, one day he will. We will be restored uh, to perfection in him. So the church has a massive opportunity. It is a steep hill to climb in terms of learning. uh, But I think the church is built for this moment. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Why are kids leaving the church after high school? What if the strategy to change this started in children's ministry? The Child Discipleship Forum is where children's ministry leaders, senior pastors, and parents gather to collaborate, pray, learn, and dialogue about the most critical factors to shape long-term discipleship in children. Featuring speakers like Ed Stetzer and Gabe Lyons, as well as children's ministry champions like Dr. Wes Stafford, we will unite together at the Child Discipleship Forum in Nashville or online on September 16th and 17th. This is a critical moment for us to shape the future of the church and make the greatest generation of disciples the world has ever seen. Save your seat at childdiscipleshipforum.com. I think that we look at Carol Powell, Carol Powell says it, I think best, she says that kids need a sticky web. Um, at least five other adults besides the parents in their, in their lives to, that will help them succeed walk with them spiritually um, and I think that leads to success of their spiritual success so yeah I, I mean if you're looking at it I don't know about you guys but I'm a product of it I'm a product of 
of the church, other people investing in me. I mean, I could go from elementary and I could say, Mr. Steve and Mr. Doug and Miss um, Miss Vicky, who taught me Bible stories and basic Bible stories, who are there consistent every week. I could go to middle school, Mr. Leroy, Miss Ann, who really, whenever I was struggling identity, you talk about now and what kids are struggling with now and what uh, social media, you talk about 2007, 2008, when it became a thing. It's really a thing now where um, I think the, the the key thing here is the identity piece, is that they're, they're getting rocked on the identity and who they are and who they're created for. And obviously we can talk about comparison, but but we're looking at culturally, it's it's an attack um, on identity constantly. So whenever those middle school years for me, it was a Mr. Leroy, Miss Ann, who stepped into my life and said, no, here's your identity in Christ. And whenever I was struggling, no, here's your identity in Christ, knowing I also had faithful parents uh, along the way that, that oftentimes didn't know what to do. That's OK. <laughs> um, but they were they were faithful. They were obedient. They got me to church. And then my high school years, I had Mr. Mark sitting knee to knee and eye to eye to me and said, you know, you're going to do great things for the kingdom of God. And I didn't believe it about myself, you know, and he kept encouraging me. So um, I do think that just the partnership with the church, just to just to have our, our kids. And that's where we have to convince our parents who have been at home for such a long time. And guys, this is I mean, we were COVID. We're, I, I think we're starting to come outside of that right and we've got to convince those those parents and um, and those people that know we're not spiritually adequate i think maybe it talks about it in the resilient book we're not spiritually adequate enough to teach our kids about communal faith without the church um, mm. so we've got to get them here and engage with the group of leaders that we know and we love and we trust are going to point them to jesus and so, um, so yeah, man, I could, I'm a product of it, right? It was my youth pastor that taught me how to, how to share my faith. I love that. It, it was, it was my leaders who really encouraged me, my small group leaders. So anyway, well, and that's probably your story. Yeah. I mean, I, I never, I own, I never want to miss the opportunity when someone shares a story like that to just highlight to folks who listen to this, that, cause I think, you know, that's not my story. I, I came to the faith as an adult and I feel like I, I missed a lot of uh, time with Jesus as a result, but I just, mm -hmm. it's always encouraging to me to see someone like you and watch your face light up talking about folks who, who were there for you along the way, because yeah. the people who listen to the podcast, you're, uh, to take the time to listen to some dorky dude in Chicago, talk about this. You are those kind of people. And it may feel like you are just sitting coloring next to a six-year-old but it has the opportunity to really make a lifelong difference. Yeah. And I've, I've you know, uh, even for you, like, uh, you know, you may not have had the experience that I have, but you're also maybe listening to my experience and saying, man, I want my kids to have that. that experience. So we had talked about this and Matt, I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well, because I think when we talk about this current moment and the sort of current opportunity, you know, Chase, you're speaking to how churches can, come alongside families about coming back into the church and mm -hmm. how discipleship happens amongst a community of believers. But there's also a role that the church has to play in that and how the church can reach back out to families about what that posture can look like. And Matt, I know you have been shouting from the rooftops for anybody who can listen about what in March and April 
is really such a crucial time for particularly for those who are invested in Kidman. Why is this the moment to be uh, reinvested in child discipleship? To, to facilitate uh, discipling children and running a children's ministry in any kind of event space, like a, like a weekend gathering. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot of uh, loving, caring adults uh, to do that. Yeah. And, and different churches are on different timelines, right? If you're on the West coast or in, in West or East coast, uh, perhaps your church has not even started to regather yet, or, or maybe you're earlier on in that process. Perhaps some churches, Middle America, you know, you've been gathering, uh, regathering for quite some time. But depending on where a church is on the on the the process of coming back together, um, it's going to take a lot to push that uphill to get our volunteer base ready again. I, I think the, the broader culture. Uh, that we're swimming in is not, not only the COVID slash post COVID COVID culture. I think there's several things converging together at one time. And it's the fact that uh, in the United States in the West here, we're, we're living in a, in a post Christian culture, meaning Christianity and the ways of Christianity are no longer mainstream. Mm -hmm. uh, they're more perhaps moved over to the margins. So we're dealing with that. We're also dealing with cultural Christianity, me meaning we have a lot of people of in the Christian community uh, that are not necessarily uh, diet completely dialed into the gospel and everything we do goes back to scripture and what would Jesus do and how would Jesus live? Uh, so we're, we're dealing with that in the church. We're, we're swimming in the post Christian culture, right? So I think as conviction, um, we, we have to have a better strategy to disciple our kids, you know, you know why? Because of the reasons we just said, you know, we're, we're living in a post-Christian culture, and we've also got this uh, cultural Christianity thing that we're fighting against as well. So th those two dynamics are happening simultaneously. So with our kids, we've got, got to be really clear on the gospel. We've got to be really intentional in how we disciple kids. So all that said, if we're going to be ready by this fall uh, to to step into that. Uh, we just have a lot of work to do to mobilize and inspire and equip our volunteer base so that we can hit the ground running July, August, and September. But I know yeah. Chase could speak to the practicalities of that much better than I could. We got a lot of groundwork to do. I mean, <laughs> for sure. I mean, uh, we're, we're struggling getting people back. I know our, your listeners are probably whoever church leaders are. They're like, man, we are half of the volunteer base that we need. And here's, here's what, May, I may be wrong, but here's what I, I, I do believe that people are going to come back. You know, um, they are going to come back and we're going to have an opportunity to reach a lot more new people, maybe unchurched people. Right. Um, but I think it's it's that if we're talking specifically volunteers, I mean, currently right now, if we're talking practically speaking and what my team is doing, um, we almost got to put together teams of volunteers that their job is strictly to, to recruit, um, right? And, and to, to reach out and see where people are and cast the vision. Um, and that's where it starts, right? If we don't have a compelling vision for why yeah. they need to come back, then why would they come back? And so you and your team's got to work together to create this compelling vision and, and all that. You're right, Matt. It's, it has to be centered on the gospel, um, how the gospel has changed our lives and what it could do to the next generation. And we need your, so I, I think, yes, it, it's all those things um, here coming up. We're obviously as different people at different stages in the country. And I, I realize that a lot of people aren't where we are. And um, 
and so we we are going to take a whole Sunday and just say, um, you know, we need you serving. We, and that's going to be a Sunday morning um, during a, a service. And that's that's gold, right? That's gold to be able to stand up in front of a group of of people and say, you know, we need everybody in this church. We've got to cast that vision. So yeah. anyway, those are maybe some practical. Totally. But I, I mean, what I hear in that too is just about prioritizing that conversation now right? Like to your point, the three of us are not epidemiologists, but in, I I really enjoy this moment for the church because it's a moment where it's really hard to be prescriptive because everybody's context does look very uh, individual. And I think it's increasing our reliance on the spirit to lead, but you can prioritize it. Whatever your stage of reopening looks like, you can prioritize this conversation. There's something that Matt, you mentioned earlier that I think would be a good place to land about this conversation around sort of cultural Christianity. Um, I think it resonates with me personally because that was the Christianity that I grew up with. I think that that is a conversation that the church is really going to have to lean into uh, as we come back because the pandemic, I think, has created a really wide lane for people to fall into cultural Christianity. But both of you can speak to, and Chase, I want to start with you, and what that looks like on the ground in the dangers of how cultural Christianity can uh, really hurt actual discipleship. Totally. A couple of things. I mean, this past week, um, we, we continue every week to see people come back for the first time. And I engaged somebody this past week that says, you know, just to be honest, <laughs> we just like sitting on our couch, drinking coffee and watching, you know, I think yeah. that that leans towards the cultural Christianity mm-hmm. that it's, this is, convenient this is comfortable and this is easy and i think we're coming into a season where it's not going to be that anymore in fact when we talk about the church of 2050 when you look at this our kids are going to experience more persecution than we probably ever have and that's are we developing a resilient faith in them so and i was sitting around a table um uh with a a man who who's not a believer he had just um lost his wife and his his son to a car accident and um and i was with another buddy who you know we go to church together he's really close to this guy whose wife had the accident we were all sitting around the dinner table together and this other guy that had that his wife had the accident he said you know i need to get back in the or i need to go to church he's not a believer he's like never so i need to go to church can i go with you and the guy said, yeah, sure. You can go with, go with us. Um, that's fine. How about this, this next weekend? And so, um, they set it up and it got to be Saturday and then Sunday. And then Monday I texted the guy that was, uh, that this guy was supposed to go to church with this other guy. I texted the guy that was supposed to bring him to church. I said, well, how did it go? You know, tell me more about it text me right back and he said, ah, we decided not to go. We're going to stay home for a couple months and, and not, not go. And I was like, oh man, what have we missed? Because what part did about the urgency of the gospel, did we not teach and that we, did we not instill in our people to say, you know what? I know this is going to be hard. I know this is going to be risky, but the gospel is worth it. And yeah. so we need to get this guy to church to be able to hear a gospel message. That's that. I think that paints a bigger picture 
of the culture in general. Sure. Um, that, that probably we don't realize, but anyway, that's kind of what, what we're seeing. And now for that story, I could tell you other stories where people were really passionate. I think when we got, get, got to COVID, I think it really probably separated a little more of this culture of Christianity towards these, the committed thought, but I think that story is, is a painful story, and it, but as painful as it is, I think it does a good job of illustrating, I think what we're seeing, which is, you know, we're, we're choosing our comfort over uh, living out the gospel. And so for the mm. sake of our sake of our listeners, just creating some level of clarity, you know, what do we mean by cultural Christianity? I, I think a, a layman's definition would be a cultural Christian is someone who just says, you know, Hey, I'm born in America. I'm affiliated with the church. I like God and Jesus. This thing sounds good to me. So I'm in, you know, but the, the reality is they may not necessarily be like grounded in the gospel surrendering their life to Jesus and living a life of daily active faith. And so I think, I think that's, you know, you know, kind of what we're talking about. Having said that, I think we've got to be careful. Uh, uh, Those of us who, who are convictional Christians, you know, we're rooted in the gospel and in Jesus's word and God's word. I think what we've got to be careful is that cultural Christianity is not only something that's out there. It's also inside of us, you know, this daily, daily looking inside of ourselves and asking ourselves what, cultural narrative regardless of what country i'm in right it could be could be zimbabwe it could be right. sweden it could be the united states you know where where have i tied and together and i've woven my culture in with my christianity and how can i be sure to to realize that that my faith is being impacted by the culture around me but i think i think chase that story is really powerful it's a it's a great wake up call uh, for us that we we in America comfort is a big deal. So in that case, this family kind of chose their own comfort over living out the gospel. So as we think about our children, as we think about uh, the kids in our churches, you know, just to be aware that this broader cultural narrative of post this post Christian world that says your hyper individualization and living, you know, you do you, you be you, you live out what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Like that's impacting our kids, but also this idea of, you know, almost this laissez faire uh, laziness, comfort. I'm going to weave in a little bit of Jesus. So that, that is also impacting um, our children as well. And you can really even see how the post-Christian culture and cultural Christianity, they're even really right. tied together too. So this is, this stuff, it's complex. It's in our homes. It's in our mobile devices. It's all around us. And as we think about how to, to do children's ministry thoughtfully, focused on the fruitfulness of the gospel, uh, we've got to keep our eyes wide open and talk about this with our teams so we can have the best plan to steward uh, a gospel-centered children's ministry. And I love that that you were, you were referring to. It's not just out there. It's also within us. And a part of that, I, I think, is um, that causes that culture of Christianity as well. Is Jesus just another awesome thing in my life? <laughs> you know, I got a lot of awesome things in my life. I got this going on. I got these hobbies. I got this. It's just another one of those. It's not the awesome thing. Thank you for listening. If you've reached this point in the podcast, I just want to say thank you for the support. These 81 episodes have been such a privilege for me to host, and I'm glad that you've been along with me for any length of this ride. I also know that if you're still listening, you are passionate about the future of the faith. And that's why I want to make sure you know that the Child Discipleship Forum is the place for you. Go to childdiscipleshipforum.com right now. 
check out the amazing speakers and join us online or in person in Nashville in September. I'd love to see you there. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk in August.